Everybody happy? First off, I want to say thank you for your generosity. My birthday card last week. Very kind and generous of all of you. I thank you for that. I'm actually having a birthday again next week if you want to do it again. That's good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> no, but thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. Um, you know, we uh, work diligently to try not only to know the word and speak the word, minister the word, teach the word, any way you want to say it, but all combined, even, even in our music. The music is what is very difficult because you'll find uh, things that are really good then you want to scratch this, that, and the other. And if you're doing it this way, you can't really, uh, um, you can't really control a lot of it. And it's not, uh, in some sense, well, you know I, know, I know I can be kind of picky about things. And, um, but it's kind of really hard to find music that goes right along and teaches what the word says. A lot of music uh, appeals to us emotionally, taps into the place where our emotions are. Some music is affirmations where we affirm. Some, some songs that you sing are proclamations. You're saying this is who I am in him. Some songs are adoration, you know, like when you're singing uh, to him and you're um, uh, uh, of how much you adore him. So we have different songs for different purposes. And sometimes you just get songs that are, that are all the way on or all the way off. And uh, I only bring it to your attention just to enlarge what Michelle just said we talked about last week, enlarging your capacity. Um, how many like watermelon? Change subject. What part's the best? The center, right? It's the sweetest and the best part. Is the outer core the is the is the is the edge is the sweet as the center? No, but it, but it's still called a what? When and what is the outside called the what? The the rind is it still called a watermelon? So it depends on what someone thinks when they when they say Jesus is the center of it all. Uh, you can't put Jesus as the centerpiece and there's other things around him. He's all of it. He he's absolutely all of it. So we don't, we don't fit him into our life because God's too, you know, we said, well, he, God's number one in my life. And uh, this is just me. Uh, I said that for years. I say, you know, Lord, you're, you're the first thing in my life. And he says, and, uh, and he says uh, I don't want to be. And I thought, do, do what? I, I didn't know what to do with that. I said, well, what do you mean you don't want to be? He said, I said, you're, you're first on the list. He said, I don't want to be on the list. I'm too big for your list. He says, what would you put under me? What, what would run in close second? And I said, you put it like that, I'll just get rid of the list. <laughs> He's everything. And there's a scripture, so I was, I was just looking up. I, 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 there's several of them, but uh, don't turn there. This is not my message, but in Jeremiah 23, um, and I don't know which verse it is particularly, but uh, in the 23rd chapter, in the uh, uh, Good News Translation, it says, I am God who is everywhere and I'm not in one place only. No one can hide where I cannot see them. Do you not know that I am? Well, that's the center and that's all of it. So he's, he's all in all. Amen. 
And so um, anyway, so last week we're talking about, um, I think we, uh, for for sake of naming it, um, for media purposes, we we talked about uh, is God in control or uh, I think it reads God is in control, question mark, question mark. And uh, don't answer out loud, but if I were to ask you, don't, don't answer out loud, but if I were to ask you, is, is God in control of everything? Uh, and we go different places, we would get all kinds of different answers. And uh, by and large, I think most people would say absolutely yes, God is uh, number one. There it is on the list. And God is in charge of everything. And, um, and you can say it that way, or really what we're talking about also, uh, to say, is God in control? It's another way of saying, is God sovereign? And is God sovereign? The answer to that is absolutely yes, he is sovereign. To the extent that, 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 uh, uh, that people say that he's, in, he's sovereign over everything and he's in control of everything, um, if you're a student of the Bible, um, I think it's one of the worst. Um, I, think it's, I, I think it's damaged, uh, it's done more damage to the body of Christ, that one so-called creed or doctrine, which is not a doctrine. You know, there's things that's called doctrines, which, which is which, which is teachings. You know, the, uh, Paul even talks about there's a doctrine of devils. Devils have doctrine. Well, when you say God's in charge of everything, then how do we mean that literally? And well-meaning, good people, sometimes sometimes they'll fight you to tooth and nail if you tell them, well, God's not in control of everything. They'll say, oh, yes, he is. Who, you, who do you think you are even to say something like that? Well, is God in charge of everything? Well, obviously not because um, uh, there, there are so many things that we see that, that the Word says is God's desire uh, while we're here on the earth, and we don't always see those things happening. We'll mention a few things that we mentioned last week. You know, he said it's his will that all men be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, is all men saved? Is, is everyone who's ever left the planet, did they give their heart to Jesus? Well, then God didn't get his will. Luke 14, he said, go out and shake the bushes. In other words, compel them to come to the house that the house may be filled. Does the house look like it's filled? No, sometimes people have to go here, go there, or, they, or whatever they do. They don't always ask for permission. Don't, don't let them ask for permission. So God, God's not, don't always get his way with the house filled. That's for sure. Is everyone doing, is everyone reaching the lost? Is everyone reaching their neighborhood? Is everyone ministering? Is everyone doing the Great Commission? The answer to that is absolutely not. God's not getting his will. So when we said last week, I know it was kind of, it was kind of you know, just kind of corny, but if God's in control, are you saying that in the center? Because, I mean, you may not, not know some people, but do what I do. I'll have people ask me questions sometimes. We'll get in conversations. We don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of interaction with uh, ministers on the opposite side, but, I, but I, that has happened, and these things would kind of come up, and they said, well, you're, you feel like because you have faith, there's things that you can do that changes certain things, but those things are going to happen anyway. Well, I don't, I don't know how anyone could even say that if they read the Bible. In other words, if faith can't change things, then, what, then, what, then why do we have faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, if they're not seen, it's because they're not, they're not there, they're not in action, and, and they need to be brought into action. It takes faith to do that. And so uh, I used an illustration because I had someone years ago say this, God's control of your day from beginning to the end. And, uh, and then nothing can happen outside 
of the purpose of God. And I said, so what you're saying is when you woke up this morning, you you had cornflakes, Cheerios, and Raisin Bran, but the Lord told you today was Cheerios. They said, well, if God wills it. I said, so you couldn't have eaten Raisin Bran if you wanted to, even though it's in the cup. No. I said, is God in charge of whole milk, skim milk, 1%, 2%, uh, almond milk, no milk? Well, I don't know if he cares about that a whole lot. Oh, yeah, he cares. If he cares about, if he cares about Cheerios or, or cornflakes that day, he cares what you pour on them. Do you use a tablespoon or do you use a teaspoon? Is he in charge of that? Do you use a napkin or do you use your shirt or, or, or what do you use? You know, just um, so that sounds ridiculous to think that way. But people live their life that way. If you're like me, you grew up in a church just like this. And I won't name churches because that, that's the, that's not edifying anybody. But how many have ever been in church? And then, and then we had people that we prayed for. Uh, I certainly grew up this way. Then we prayed. Um, sometimes we would have uh, what we would call, you know, someone would get up before the service they, maybe it was the superintendent um, of, you know, the uh, Sunday school or whatever, and they'd give us reports of Sunday school and last week, last month, last year, this year, offerings. And they, they, in other words, they, they had to keep up with the numbers. But a lot of times they were also in charge of the people who needed prayer. And if you needed prayer and you belonged to that church or you was a member of that church, and people can be members of churches and never be there. You do realize that, don't you? Um, my account it demands that we keep uh, membership uh, and then there are certain rules that they use to decide what membership is uh, especially based in financial matters if you were borrowing money they want to know what the, the financial situation is and the membership is a membership to them could be someone who comes once every three years but if they support the ministry at least once a year that's a member so somewhere uh, I, I, I don't remember the last two years but our membership is somewhere around 300 some people does that make sense to you? No. Well, I don't know. That, that's not how I would look at it. But I'm just talking about when you're dealing with uh, accountants and, uh, you know, and then you're dealing with financial matters, they look at things like that. So they would do me a whole printout of people of where they, they used to keep up. Now we do all the giving and tithes and offerings and giving. We do it in-house. We don't, we, don't, uh, we don't send that to our accountant. It costs a whole lot less. And then when it comes January, we want to get everybody's giving out to them quicker. If we have control of it, we get it out a whole lot faster than wait for someone to compile all that together. And because and, uh, sometimes through the years they'd be in February, which is not acceptable. And for one guy, I offered to come see him if he didn't uh, get it out that week. And he said, I'll try. And I said, I'm on my way. And I'm going to sit with you till it's done. He said, no. He said, are you in a hurry? I said, no. I mean, you, you, you have to January 30th to get it out. And the people are waiting. Well, so we started doing it all in-house. But they would compile all these records. Then they would give me a, an alphabetical list of names of all the people that's considered to be in the church. And it would go on and on and on. And I had asked Michelle, I said, who's that? She said, I don't know. I said, well, who's that? She said, I don't know. I said, well, maybe, she said, maybe they came to a special meeting, so I invited them. Oh, well, they came. So see, since they came and they gave them $5, $500, $2, $0.47, they become a member. Well, that's just ridiculous. Well, I don't want to get too far off point, but, but in the sense of the fact that we think that God runs everything, is in charge of everything, is not biblical. I think, I think the way sovereignty sometimes is taught or as God in control is, has done more damage to the church than any other 
than any other uh, doctrine that's ever been taught. And we don't need to go by anybody's opinion, certainly not yours or mine or somebody else's. We need to go by the Word of God. Is that true? If the Word says it, that's the way that it is. And so we'll do a, uh, we'll do a little rehearsing, but uh, we want to go forward today. Uh, last week is still available at all times, so you could go back if you have interest to go back there. But uh, this, is, this is a little appetizer before we get there. I just want to remember, uh, remind you, you don't turn there, but in John 6, 63, it says the word is spirit and life. The word is spirit and life. So I just got you some things. I just I was sitting writing down the other day and uh, for no purpose, didn't know if I'd use them or not use them. I just I was thinking it here it went. And, and it says like this. God's word is carried to you from from God's breath, his spirit. That means it always comes to you with God's own creative power. The Word of God contains all the power that it needs for its own fulfillment. Think about that. The Word of God contains all the power that it needs for its own, for its own fulfillment. Now, why is that? Because Luke 8, 7 says the Word, the, the seed, seed is the Word of God. The Word of God is seed. He likens the Word to seed. And what do you do with seed if you want to harvest? You plant it, you sow it. If, you can have seed, but if you don't plant it and sow it, what, what chance do you have of a harvest if you don't plant it? You have zero percent. So if you went to a church, I didn't finish that thought like mine, and we would pr they would pray for the sick, and those on their members list, they would pray, they had all the people who called in, and people who couldn't be there, and people were sick, and we, the, our church called it the remembers list. Did y'all have a members list? That y'all remember people who couldn't be there, or the elderly who was sick? Then we would all pray for him in a general prayer, and then we would end that prayer, say, Lord, if it's, if it's your will, heal, heal sister so-and-so and heal so-and-so, if it's your will. Which means, to some degree, you don't know what the will is. I mean, when you put that word if on there, that means you really don't know. When I marry people, I said, will you take this man to be your husband, or you take this one to be your wife? I can't say, take them. I have to ask the question and they have to, can, they have to say yes or they have to say no. If it's, if it's in the negative sense and they say no, are they married? If they say yes to the affirmative and they, and they keep answering yes, then we'll, we'll sign off on the document and it'll be, it'll be legal and the notary, he'll, he'll do what he does and you'll have a, you'll have a certificate of, of marriage. But you have to answer to the firm. There has to be an answer. So we would say, Lord, heal so-and-so if it be your will. Which means it may or may not be, I'm assuming. And then we had those things called unspoken prayer requests. I went to that church for 20 years. You ever heard of an unspoken prayer request? I always said, go down to the drive-thru to leave church and go around Jackson Burger King over here and tell them you're hungry, but you have an unspoken food request. <laughs> You think, well, that, that's crazy. Well, if it's crazy at Jack's, just think how it is crazy when you come to God that way. Now, if you have something that personal, just don't bring it up. Just find someone that, that can agree with you or go ask the pastor or someone at church and get them to agree with you if you can't say in public. Because if, if you come to me and you want me to, to agree with you in prayer, and I'll say, fine, they say, but it's unspoken, then do you want me to be in faith when I pray with you? How many would want me? This is yes. Uh, how many would want me to be in faith with you about what we're going to pray about? 
how do I get in faith of something that's unspoken? How, how, do I get, how do I get in faith of something I don't know anything about? How do I even know if it's scriptural? How do I know that you have word on it? So can I actually be in faith for something I have no knowledge of? No. Where did we learn things like this? Well, Michelle said there'll be no denominations in, in heaven. And I'm going to say, thank God. <laughs> there'll be one denomination. We'll be all in Christed. And he'll be the center and he'll be the outer core. He'll be the whole, he'll be the whole enchilada. Nothing, if he's the centerpiece, nothing can sit on the table with him. So we know the word of God contains all the power that it needs for its own fulfillment. We said, in other words, a seed, a natural seed, a watermelon seed, a cantaloupe seed, a bean seed, a pea seed, a cucumber seed cannot, cannot live out its destiny, what it's created for, unless what? It's planted in the ground. Unless you put the word of God where it belongs, it will never live out its destiny. Destiny and will never become for you what you're hoping it to be. Even though you have the ability to take the seed and put it into your heart, the, the heart being the seed or the heart being the ground Jesus was talking about in the parable of the sower. Your heart is the soil. Different types of soil, different types of ground. Some not conducive to seed. Good ground is conducive to seed. But a seed not planted is a harvest, not, is, is a harvest never reaped. That, that, that sounds uh, very uh, basic, and it is. But sometimes people, uh, they just go over the basics. Now, here's a scripture, always been amazing. It's in 1 Peter 1, 23. Having been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So that means when, you've been, when, you, when you was born again through the new birth, you was born not of a corruptible seed, but the seed of the incorruptible. See, you were, the, the, the new birth in one sense is just as supernatural as Jesus was. Not that you was, not that you was conceived or, or not that the birth process was the same as Mary's in the, in the sense of, of there was not two people involved, but in the sense that you were born again by the Spirit, by the Spirit, by the sperm, by the, uh, by the nature of God himself in your spirit, which means you have God in you. If you're the son of God, if you're the son of any man and woman in here, then there was two people involved and there had to be an action take place. Or otherwise, none of us is here. For you to be born again, there had to be an action by someone else. And upon you receiving him, there was a, there, there was a transformation that took place from spiritual death to spiritual life. And now you have the life, the speed, the the the. Uh, you have the life, the nature, the essence of God on the inside of you. It's actually the sperm of God, you could say, that makes you incorruptible. It makes you indestructible. You're an, you're an everlasting, everlasting being. Even seed, take it this way, even seed that you placed into people, maybe, maybe kids, and as they're growing up, maybe, maybe they're doing the kind of something right now that, that you know, we, we didn't do that when we was raising them. And they're going off on some path for a while. But you know what? That seed that you placed in them as a kid, as a child, and growing up, that seed's still in there. What he's saying is that seed never rots. It never goes away. Natural seed can, but not the seed of God. 
It's incorruptible. It's indestructible. It's the ever living seed of the word of God, which he said, which lives and abides forever. Which means the word is eternal, right? Yeah. Now, why is the word eternal? It's because God's eternal. And the word is living. Why is that? Because God is living. And the word is powerful. Why is that? Because God is powerful. Everything that is true of God is also true of the word. And so the human spirit is the soil that, into which the word must be sown. God's word is spirit and life. So only a fool would approach God with their own human understanding. So we, we read it, we hear it, we have to receive it, we understand it spiritually. And then we know when God speaks, his, he speaks, it's his breath, it's his spirit, and he communicates as spirit to your spirit. So that's why that you have to receive the word of God into your spirit. When you do that, God speaks his word, his spirit, faith is conceived. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But when God speaks from his spirit to your spirit, faith is conceived on the inside of you. There is a better translation than the King James. Uh, you know, I just quote it. It says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The, the, what, what's more correct you know, from the Greek is it says when the word of God is heard, faith is, comes alive. In other words, it, it doesn't come in the sense that it wasn't there because you're already born again. But it, but it, but it comes alive. It, it quickens the seed of the word that's already in you. If, if you have him in you, he is the word. He's the eternal God. So the spirit that keeps feeding your faith until the word is fulfilled and then God answers, come. So, you, so the spirit, once the word is sown, it keeps, feeding your, it keeps feeding your faith until the word that's already in you is fulfilled. Then the answer, the promise you're believing comes forth. But this is all the work of the promise of the spirit. Uh, your part is to begin hearing the word of God and receive it like a seed deep into your spirit. Then cling to it, speak it or confess it. Same thing. Act on it. That will develop faith. So when faith has matured, God's promise comes. Amen. Now, so we talked last week about about um, some things we're going to uh, go over, make a few statements, then go over. Let, let's talk about sovereignty, what sovereignty actually is. I gave you a, a definition. Um, some of these things you can just find in the dictionary, but they would, um, uh, the reason why you can't really use the word sovereign and go to the uh, Strong's Concordance is because um, is the word sovereign is not in the Bible. And there's a really big deal about the sovereignty of God, but there's, it's not even the Bible one time. It is in there in modern translations. But it certainly is not there in the King James and some of the most original translations and the most accurate, although we totally agree that God is sovereign. Now, just because the word sovereign is not in the Bible doesn't mean that God is not sovereign. Because watch here, the word Bible is not in the Bible. But the Bible is actually, right? So sovereign simply means this it means is god sovereign yes he is he's sovereign in that he's he's he is in the highest ranking anyone agree with that in essence in rank of power and authority and intellect god is sovereign no one higher no one with more power no one more authority no one more intellectual he is sovereign and above all in importance and character and this 
But this does not mean that he sits on his throne in heaven and signs off on every event that takes place. That is not happening. That is absolutely not happening. God is absolutely sovereign, but his will is not always done. In other words, we talked about it's his will that all be saved and come to knowledge of the truth in 1 Timothy 2. Uh, 2 Peter 3 said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. God's not getting his way that way. Not everyone comes to repentance, but it is God's will. But if God's sovereign, and I wanted cornflakes this morning, but the Lord said, no, today's raisin bran. I said, can I have the whole milk? He said, no, you have the low fat. Then there's no way I can pick up the, I mean, my, my hand won't even go for the cornflake box. It can't because God's sovereign can't do that. I mean, you may want a hamburger. And the Lord said, no, it's, it's, it's banana sandwich day. Can't, can't go there. God's sovereign. You say, well, that's just silly. It is. It is. It, 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 silly, it's goofy, it's whatever you want to say it is. But when you get to the place to where you say that God is sovereign, <clears throat> that God's will is always done, then if you're any kind of student of the word, you know God's will is not always being done. If you live in a world <clears throat> where, sin's, where sin is uh, evident, is God's will being done? Do people have the choice to be saved or not saved? then God's will is not always being done. Absolutely not. You say, well, we all know this. Why we even talk about it? <laughs> because people talk about it all the time. But, but they come in at different degrees. They don't come in at cornflakes. They say, well, that's okay. You know, God don't care. And God may not care, you know, what kind of clothes you pick out, long as they're modest. And then sometimes some people say, well, God cares about haircuts. You know, uh, and then um, on, up, on up the line, you, you have different people who have different beliefs, but that, that's your conviction. But just live your, con in, in other words, preach the gospel and just live your conviction. But don't make your conviction the gospel. Well, you know, God wants us to you know, be on the Daniel fast. Well, get on it. Well, I believe God wants us to, you know, eat vegan. Well, he ate fish all the time that I know of. When he walked through the walls and they all were astonished after he got through, he said, y'all got any meat? Meat, M-E-A-T. The M, the meat, and comes out of the word eat. My eat. <laughs> but so if you want to eat vegan, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, but that, that would be your conviction, right? You can't make it the gospel. Well, I believe the, I believe the Sabbath is on Saturday. Well, good, go do it. But don't tell the whole world that, that we can only meet with God on Saturday or Sunday. When is the Sabbath? It's every day. What day belongs to the Lord? 24 hours a day, 365. We just got together today. Is that right? Amen. Well, I tell you what, you go home and you mow your grass on Sunday. The Lord's going to strike you with the flu. Huh? <laughs> Well, does that mean you can't get the flu on Mondays? See, it's just, it's just crazy if you ever just stop to think about it. But we don't want to, we don't want to do it philosophical, philosophically. We, we want to take the Word of God and find out what the answer is. We won't go to any of these to a great extent, but, you know, we talked about the Lord's Prayer where the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, okay, this is part of the prayer. 
Uh, I'm reading from Matthew 6, 9, and 10 in the NIV. I won't be here for just a moment. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has a will for heaven. You, you, you can't find any sick people there. There's no wheelchairs there. Nobody's on the IV. There's no doctors there. There's no, there, there, there's no physicians. There's no sin there. There's no poverty there. There's no lack there. There's no hungry, hungry people, no hungry children. There's no suffering. There's no pain. There's no one, to, there's no one that has uh, uh, anxiety issues. There's no one who has depression. Now, does that replicate the earth? The way, you, the, way the earth that you're living in? I'm going to say a big no. Is God's will on, on heaven? What Jesus said, he said, he said, your kingdom come. Jesus said, pray this, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some people say, well, that, he's talking about the millennium there. Well, he's not talking about the millennium. I can prove that. God's will won't always be done during the millennium. People will die in the millennium and never receive Jesus. His will won't be done there. There's people who will, who will make it through the seven-year tribulation. Most of them won't, but some will. If they're not saved and they go through the tribulation, there's more than, uh, there's more than one rapture. You've got the three-and-a-half-year period, and some will be raptured then, and then some will be born during that seven-year period, and some will live through it. And at that point, they have or have not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But at that point, we'll come back down from heaven after being in heaven for seven years at the marriage supper of the Lamb in the Bema seat, which is the reward seat, and we'll come down here and we'll be with thousands of people who were born and on the earth that have never, and, and you do understand that you're going to be here in a spirit body for a thousand years, and they're going to be in a mortal body just like you and I have today. So they're going to have all the problems you could have with a mortal body. They'll have the ability to sin. They'll have the, the ability to reject Jesus. Read the book of Revelation, you'll find out what I'm talking about. So it's not, uh, in other words, Satan will be bound and demonic influence will be bound, but people will still be able to exercise their will. So he still won't be perfect as heaven will be. But the will of God is that we could replicate heaven on earth. Is God getting his will done now? No. Is anyone in prison? Did, any, did anyone die needlessly? Are there any gangs? Are there drugs? Do people lose their life from overdose? Is that the will of God? What, what do people mean when they say God's in charge of everything? You have to really be careful using those words that way. That people just think. See, it, it, it brings in one sense, in suffering for a Christian, it brings a sense of some comfort or temporary to think that I'm, I'm only suffering. I don't understand why. Maybe I guess I'll understand in heaven, but it's serving a greater purpose, and that will bring you a temporary, a temporary appeasement to it. That God has a greater purpose for you suffering on earth. We've all heard people like that, and no doubt their stories was true, but they would say, mostly it would be a young person, a well-known uh, a fine young man, fine young woman who maybe loses their life at 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, young. And then maybe they suffered with whatever disease for the last three or four years of life and went to give their testimony because of the youth and how people, you know, had such compassion. People who weren't saved gave their heart to Jesus. 
And through that person's situation, they were saved. So, so the truth would then, they would call this a truth, but see, everything that's, everything that's a fact is not truth. And people would, would be saved because of that testimony, but is that, how God, is that how you get saved? Not according to the scripture. Not if you ever read the book of Romans. We have to come to the knowledge of Jesus, not to some young man or some woman who has, uh, who has suffered and, we're, and we hate the, the tragedy that happened. And we're, we're thankful for the salvation. But is that, was it the will of God that God placed that on the individual and heaven will reward them? But it was they were selected out of one out of, you know, thousands or millions to to suffer this because they knew the greater purpose that would bring others to Christ. Is that how God works? Is, is that a good God? Is that a God that you'd want to serve? But it's, it's preached everywhere. Just go to a funeral. You'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Just, just go to three or four. Just, just slip in the back. They won't even know. Who, you know. It, a lot of people, if it's a big enough funeral, slip in there. They won't know who you are. So no one will ask. They just think someone else knows you. And boy, you'll hear all kind of theology. It's just, it's not theology. It's ology. A lot of us just jump because we don't, we, people don't know what to say. Or, or you'll hear the phrase at funerals, well, it was their time. You know where they get that? They get that from the scripture. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, you, you, you assume when you read there's a time, there was once a, a time appointed for man to die, you, you thought that God set the time, the date, and the hour, and the year. He didn't say, he didn't say it would be a particular time. He said a time will come. But he didn't put, he didn't put it on the calendar. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll be in hospital sometimes. And, and, and I'm just like, it's like preachers want to fight sometimes. I'm just like, they're just to help someone. But they got someone in their family that goes to the church and somehow we get, we get in the same there and, we, and we're, boy, we're just, we're, it's two different denominations. And I do all my best just to stay out of those places. I mean, I'll take them old snack machine, try to buy that pastor and get him whatever he wants. You want a snack or a Coke or go get you a cup of coffee? And, well, where y'all do? Where y'all? What y'all do? What y'all preach? Oh, oh, what did not? Oh, what would you? Oh. They want to know what you believe. So I give them that long list now. Let's see if I can get it right. I'm a NCIG. I'm a NCICHGSD. They say you're you're what? What kind of denomination? I said we're a new creation in Christ, Holy Ghost stuff doers. <laughs> They'll leave you alone right after that. <laughs> new Christian, new creation in Christ, Holy Ghost stuff doer. We got the last part from Kim Cloud, Holy Ghost stuff doer. Yeah, and by then they'll leave you alone. But they're 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 just they're just. I, I was years ago. I was in the hospital. Someone that a family member died, and the other one might die. And Matt knows who I'm talking about. It was in his family. And uh, the pastor of the largest church in, in the county at that time, he's not there now, but he was serving at the local downtown church in Clanton. And so uh, I'd never met him. He never met me. But we it was um, the person who was in the hospital. One had died in the accident and the other one was in serious condition and could die. And so the families were there for different churches. So it ended up being two pastors in the room. And uh, the father of the, of, the, of the son 
who lost uh, part of his um, through the accident, part of his foot. Um, the father was there, and of course he was highly upset because my son's had the accident. He lost part of his foot, and his sister was also killed in that accident. So he's grieving, but he also was very sick. He was just—he he just had a bad cold. He was sick. He was coughing and, and uh, you know, and Kleenex and blowing his nose, and he's, he's thinking, "My sister's dead. My son may die any minute." And he was overwhelmed with grief. And I just sat down on the couch beside him. You know, I can't remember if it's UAB or wherever he's at. And the pastor of the local church and the largest church at that time in Chilton County, he was sitting there on the couch with him until he started coughing. Then he, he jumped up real fast. And then uh, um, about five minutes later, I went to go sit down. It was like a, I guess we call it, you know, it wouldn't be that in the hospital, but, you know, like a place of two people sit. We call them love seats or whatever. I mean, just two people can sit there. So I just sat down beside him and I put my arm around him. And he just began to weep and cry. And I talked to him for a few minutes. Then I got up and I went to go get him some coffee. And I got me some. And that pastor came over to me and he says, uh, he said, what was that about? And I said, what was, I don't understand. He said, well, you, you sitting there next to him. I said, uh, he's, he's grieving. His sister was just killed. And his son's in there uh, in, in a coma. He's already lost toes, and now they're talking about taking his foot off. Then they, then they started talking about taking his leg off. I said, the, the man was grieving. He said, don't you see how sick he is? And I said, oh, yeah, I, because he's got some kind of cold. He said, well, I, that's the reason I had to jump up. He said, I'm a man with a lot of responsibilities. He said, I, I can't be caught around people like that. He said, so then I said, okay. I see, I, I'm trying to stay out of it which is really going against my personality. <laughs> so I'm just being nice, you know. You know, I'm not there to pick a fight. I don't, want to, I don't want to deal with your own doctrine. I don't care how many hundreds of people you got. Wrong's wrong, dude. Jim Jones had a lot of people too, and they all drank Kool-Aid. So he said, so he asked me this next question, and I'm trying to mind my own business. He said, is that some kind of display, the fact that you have more faith than I have? I said, no. I said, if you're born again, we got the same faith. I'm just using my faith in another, in another way. He said, aren't you, aren't you afraid that you'll get what he got? I said, not at all. Then, then he started doing things to kind of mock me. I thought, well, now I can play that game if you really wanted to keep it up. And uh, he says, so, he says, so what, what would you do if you started getting the symptoms before Sunday? I said, I'll, I'll just curse him. He said, you'll cuss what? I said, no, I didn't say cuss. I said, I'll curse him. He said, you'll do what? I said, you know. So he was telling me about all the curriculum that he was writing. He was going around, you know, the, you know, the Bible Belt. And he was writing curriculum in Children's Church and Sunday School curriculum. And, you know, and how popular all his stuff was. And how many churches was used in the world. I said, that's awesome. That's, that you'll be able to, you know, take what God's showing you and share it with people like that all around the world. And he says, uh, so what he was saying to me was, <clears throat> what have you done? And I, and I said, I'm just here because he belongs to my church. And that's his son who doesn't go to my church. But I'm his pastor. And his, his brother goes to your church. But he cares because that's his nephew and that's his, and that's his sisters that died yesterday, these two brothers. So you're there for that side of the family. We're here for the same family. And I just kind of said, you do what you do and I'll do what I do. 
I'm just there to help him at this time. But he said, but, but why would you go sit down beside him? He says, this is what, like Wednesday, Thursday. He says, man, you'll, you'll be out for two weeks. What he's got, he's like, look, look at him. I said, no, I don't ever get it. I'll just curse it. I said, you, you know, you wrote a lot of curriculum, right? He says, well, yeah. I said, well, then you're well familiar with Jesus. And, well, he cursed the fig tree. And he says, uh, remind me about that over there. I said, well, it's in Mark chapter 11. And I just started quoting the whole verse, the whole chapter. He says, well, you think it means that? He said, so you think you're going to move a mountain? I said, no, not literally a mountain. But he wasn't talking about literally a mountain. He was talking about the things in our life. You know, he said that we would have the God kind of faith and the God kind of faith would do this. He said, you can't move anything unless God allows it. I said, he said, I'd like to see you prove that. And all I said was, uh, that's, that's fine. If, that, if that's how you believe, that's fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to, he said, well, I'm just telling you, it don't work that way. And I said, well, uh, hang around. I said, just, just, just hang around a minute. So they come got Matt and me. That we, went into, we went back there and, and he's in a coma. He's 20-something years old. He, I don't even know if he knew that his aunt had died at that point because they were both in the same accident. And I don't think he even knows that she's, that she's dead. He don't even know that he lost his toes, most of them. He doesn't even know that the staph infection is going so fast they can't stop it, so then they're going to take it off, you know, right here about the middle of the foot. And uh, they'd already taken that off before we got, before Matt and I got involved. So the pastor said, you know, we'll prove it. And I said, well, I'm not here to prove anything to you. I'm, I'm just here just to live this. Live this. And uh, so... Uh, their aunt said, uh, she told us, she said, well, they're going to, she said, uh, it, didn't, it didn't help. And he's still in a coma. She said, he's lost so much blood. They're trying to give him, you know, blood because they're going to have to have another surgery, take off more foot, more leg, and it ain't working. And uh, she said, so he don't even know anything's happened. He's still asleep. And I said, well, that's good. I said, just let's let him be at peace, let him be asleep. And uh, so Matt and I just went over. She said, well, tomorrow morning, she said, they're going to, he was 23 Right about that time, no, you and I went in there. He was 23, uh, wasn't married, living there with his grandmother. And, uh, and so they said, they're going to take the leg off right here tomorrow, tomorrow morning. If they don't get ahead of the st staff, it's going to go through his bloodstream and he'll be dead in just a few days. And, and that, that would be a fact. That's a fact. It just ain't the truth. It does matter where you go to church. It does make a difference. You say, well, I really like the youth program. Well, I, I do too. I'm not against it. Well, I really like, you know, man, we, we got a nice gym. Well, I'm not against gyms. I'm just saying, gym wasn't going to help you there. Basketball team wasn't going to help you there. You, you can have all of us. You ain't got to pick or choose. There's people who got to get involved and do it. But the reality was he doesn't even know he lost toes. And then he didn't know they cut off half of his foot. By the time we got in there, this was coming in the morning. And so we told her that doesn't have to happen. And she says, well, we don't understand that, but if you know what to do, do it. We said, well, we know what to do. So we just went over there real calmly. We didn't go over like some wild-eyed Pentecostal jumping up and down the room. We just spoke the same thing Mark eleven twenty three said to the mountain. We, we spoke. We had a, Matt and I had a conversation with a staph infection. 
because we knew it could hear us. Jesus spoke to a fig tree, heard it. He spoke to withered arms and hands, and they heard it. He spoke to storms, and they heard it, right? So if a storm can hear and a withered hand could hear, we just assumed that, you know, the staff in his body could hear us because it was written in here. So we're, all we're doing is going by the written word of God, a book, a book, but a supernatural book in the authority of the name of Jesus because we knew the will of God. This wasn't a place to come in and say, well, Lord, heal so-and-so if it's your will. That will get you an amputation faster than anything I know or get you a funeral. You know, James 5 tells us, he said, if you're sick, if a believer's sick, let them pray the prayer of faith. Well, what is the prayer of faith? In other words, it says call the elders. Elders are not always older. They might be older, but they might be just someone. Uh, elder just means someone who's spiritually mature in the word. Might be a 20-year-old. I've seen some 20-year-olds more mature than someone's 85, 90 years old. You can be a baby in the Lord all your life. Never grow up. Shouldn't be, don't have to be, but you could be. But he said, call, if someone is sick, and in other words, to the place of P.C. Nelson, the Greek scholar said, he's talking about too sick beyond where they can help themselves. They need help. They're not in a position, maybe mentally, physically, they can help themselves, use their faith, so they call in for help. So the church comes in, the elders comes in, and they pray the prayer of faith. Well, how many think that faith would have something to do with believing? How could you have faith, pray a prayer of faith, if you don't know the will? And that's why it's been used all these years. Lord, if it be your will, heal so-and-so. Now, before you pick up your stones and ready or write, up, write on the, my website, which we'll just, I'll just take you off fast as you put it on there, but you can go ahead and put it on there. And then we'll, we'll ban you forever. We'll love you, but we'll ban you. So, amen. Just let them know what they're getting into if they want to. I mean, just, just go start your own deal if you don't like this. So here, here's the deal. So we, you, you can't pray the prayer of faith for something you have no knowledge of. P.C. Nelson, who wrote uh, the book Healing the Sick, he said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. People said, well, Jesus prayed, Lord, if it be your will. Never about healing. It was the night before he was crucified. It, it, it was in consecration of his life to death. It had nothing to do with healing. Search the scriptures. I don't have to give you time today, but if you can show me, then I'll repent and we'll go back the other way. But you can't find one time ever, not one time, not one, there's, no, there's no exception to this. You can't find one time where Jesus ever refused anyone to heal anyone at any time. So I don't know how you could ever use healing as Lord, if it be your will. What do you think the whipping post was for? What do you think the stripes upon his back where he was beat beyond a human being to even recognize us for? Hmm? So I, the pastor said, you can't do that. He says, you, I mean, he says, I've heard of people like you, churches like yours. He says, you, you have the kind of church, you, you treat God like he's a genie, put him in a bottle. When you need him like this, you rub it and he comes out. I said, I'm, no, sir, not doing that at all. All I'm doing is the same. I'm just, I'm, I'm just believing God for what he said, the scripture that he said. He said, but you don't know what the will of God is back there. I said, absolutely do. I said, if I'd have known before then, I said, he, the, the, they wouldn't have, I mean, the toes got lost in the accident, but they wouldn't have even taken off the half of the foot. But we didn't get back there then. But we got back there before they got the leg. So we went back there and we cursed the staph infection in his leg. That's all we did, right? Well, no big deal. 
but it's something that he and I believed. No one else knew what they were doing. The person being prayed for, their faith wasn't involved. They're in a coma. Sometimes I think I could help people if they would go comasized. That's not even a word, but I'll, you know what I'm trying to say. If he could just be, could you put them to sleep so I could pray for them? So they won't be fighting just the whole thing? Put them to sleep. <laughs> we get better results when you're not cooperating. I mean, if they're fighting against you, that is. So, the, uh, and so we just told their aunt, we just said, they'll do it. They always do. But just be sure that when they do the final x-ray, they always do another x-ray in the morning. Um, before they do the amputation. Make sure that you get the results before they do the amputation. I, I know they will, but that's procedure. Is that right, Ms. Dane? That's procedure. But things can happen. And uh, so the, the, the next morning they go in there and they can't find any staff in his body anywhere. But we never prayed, Lord, if it's your will. What was we doing? He said, as it is, he said, as it is in heaven, so I want it on the earth. Well, can you find anyone in heaven is going to have your leg amputated tomorrow? Or who's sick for any reason? No, why? You know why? <clears throat> this is an old John G. Lake sermon. He said, you, you, you know, John G. Lake said, you know why you can't find anyone on crutches or wheelchairs in heaven? And he answers his own in his book. He says, because he says, the will of God's being done there. He says, can you find where, where, where heaven uh, houses the incurable? And they said, no. He said, you know why? Because the will of God's being done there. See, see the, the, the highest will of God, I believe, on the earth is for you and I to walk as Jesus walked. As he is, so are you where? Now, I'm, I'm quoting the epistles. I'm not, I'm not in the Old Testament. This, this is not a Jewish thing. This is for the church. See, and when you know who you are, then you don't have to sing things like uh, Jesus be, how'd that song go? Jesus be the center of your church. Uh, he, he don't need an invitation. He believes he is. I'm not mad at the song. We'll probably do it again, but I'm just, I'm just want you to get that. Uh, he didn't like, well, if y'all really want me and you're going to vote me in, I'll, okay. And then he stepped in to be the center of the church. He, he's in. He's the head, we're the body. Okay, stop that. Praise the Lord. But see, you can sing things all along and they'll know you're just singing whatever. You say, well, why do you have to be so particular? Because people live, I've had people live and die because people aren't particular. I've had people, I've had, asked people before, so they'll ask me, say, well, I don't know how to get my, my prayers answered. And I said, well, how are you praying? Well, nothing specific. And I said, well, that's what you're going to get, nothing specific. I mean, it's the same thing going through the drive-thru. Or, 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 or go to Longhorns after church, sit there and say, glad to have you all, and, you know, and this, well, can get you drink orders. And you get the drink orders and say, we read the order? Yeah, but, well, okay, what we have? Oh, just nothing in particular. Well, are you hungry? You want to eat? Yeah. Well, what do you think you'd like? Oh, just whatever the Lord wants. <laughs> My next question, if I worked there, do you tip? Oh, yes. I'm going to get you the highest price item on the menu. <laughs> I'm not going to bring you no little salad. I mean, we're going to get the most expensive steak on the menu and take that time 20%. It's ridiculous if you put it in the, in, in, in the realm of 
you know, just like I, I could use it, but you know, Scott's been building his dad's house and been ordering a lot of materials to do that, right? Now, if you treated that like people do church, I mean, I saw lumber was brought this week. I'm figuring somewhere along the line, this man sat down and figured out what he was going to build, and he kind of knew what to order and how much to order because he knows how to do it. He didn't just say, you know, go and build some porch, bring lumber. How much? Good bit. <laughs> what kind? Different, different size, different shape. Just be led. Did you do anything like that? No. Was you very specific? Did you tell them how much exactly and you do it? So, yeah. You know. But you put it in the church and we just go, blah. <laughs> Whatever God wills, that's why we don't get anything done. You have, you have to be specific. Peter and John went by that man at the gate, beautiful, remember? And he was lame from his, from his whole birth. But he had a right to beg. That was his only way of, to make a living, was to beg. The government said you can be right here at the, at the gate before they go in the temple because good people are supposed to be praying. And maybe they'll have mercy on you. He had a right to beg. And Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. Well, he said, at first he said, look on us. Well, then it says the man who was begging looked on them expecting to receive something. Now, if you're a beggar and, and you said, look on us, and he's expecting to receive something, what does the beggar think he's about to receive? Money, right? Did he get money from them? Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. If the Lord wills, Oh, it's not in there, is it? Such as I have. Oh, don't look at me. Doesn't see the church. Oh, don't look at us. No, no, don't look at us. Such as I have, I can give. So Peter and John said, I have something good. I have it. I've been given use of it. The name, the authority. We have it. We can release it. What I have will bless you. What I have will be good for you. Such as I have, I give you. Get up and walk. And then Peter, it didn't say the man got up and walked. It said Peter did the next, took the next step when he took his hand. And because uh, the man has never walked. So his, his, his brain is still in paralyzed mode. That's a little tip if, if you pray for many sick people. You'll find out that even though they're healed, sometimes there'll be no action until you help them with the first action. If you're not going to ever pray for one, it won't mean nothing to you. But that, that's a little gem for you to know. When you're praying for sick people who have been sick for a while, the sickness is not just in their body, it's in their mind. In other words, the disease, the pain, the whatever it is, they're, they're, it's taking control of the mind. And they can be free, but in their mind, they're, they're still in prison. So he had to put his hand out to go pick him up. And when he did, the man was able to get up, leave, and walk. And everybody was excited about it except the church people. Because they wanted to stone the people who prayed for them. Now, let me move on. Y'all kept, kept me back there. So, uh, so people would say, well, God may not have done it, but he allowed it. What you're telling me, you mean is he could have stopped it. You ever heard that one? That, that, that's, that's, a very, that's the other variation. In other words, that God didn't do it, but he what? He didn't what? He didn't stop it, which means he's still in control. He might not have directly done it, so they don't want to come out that strong and say, well, yeah, God actually took their life. Like we prayed for the nephew who kept his leg. The sister died in the bowling accident. And if you went to the funeral, you heard it was her time. It was not her time. She's 38 years old. She had two kids. 
a four-year-old and an eight-year-old. I'm three years old in ministry. <laughs> I've never even done a funeral. Two or three years old in ministry. My job the next morning was to go tell, I was asked by the grandmother, that, that, because they all live with the grandmother, the, the mother did, she did, and the two kids that lived there. And they thought, they knew the mother was in an accident, but they didn't know, the, they didn't know she died. And the aunt asked me, would you come tell them in the morning? And I got to the house early that morning, about 6.30. And uh, the four-year-old, he's you know, real young, so he, never, he didn't really understand. The eight-year-old understood pretty much. And she said, because uh, they had been coming to church for a couple months, and the mother had got saved about two or three months before she, before she died. It, it, when we were in class, she, she came up and got saved. I was preaching, and she came up. I believe she was already actually saved, but she came up and she says, I've made some bad choices in my life, and now I'm seeing the fruit of these choices. My life's kind of a mess. And she says, I'm, I'm not living my life right for God. She said, would you pray? I said, you want to be saved? She said, I want to be saved. Thank God she was saved at least two months before she was killed. So the four-year-old and eight-year-old wake up, and I'm in there, and I come in there, and, sit, and the eight-year-old girl, she said, she said, oh, Pastor Eric, she said, she said, did you know about my mama yesterday? I said, I did, baby. She says, she says, uh, she says, she got hurt so bad. She says, uh, but will you pray for her? She says, because um, I know she'll be coming home in a few days. And I was sitting there on the couch. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. I'm like 33 years old, 34. And I thought, let's see what class is that Raymond I'll take about this. <laughs> see, this ain't the righteousness. This ain't the history of the Bible. This ain't the Old Testament men of faith, the New Testament men of faith. Let's see this. Uh, oh yeah, I knew what class that was. About the Holy Spirit. And so I don't remember what I told her, but I, I had to tell those, those kids that, that mom wasn't there. Now after I was left, they were told that God needed an angel, and that's why and had to have their mother. And so they grew up kind of angry that God would take their mother because God had to have another angel. So he leaves you with no parents so he can have an angel. Do you think that's scriptural? And I'm not even, now, now that I've ripped it and I'm way off my course right here, every time you, you hear this when someone dies, it's it just that people don't know the word and they don't know what to do and they're in pain and they need, some, they need something to soothe their mind. So they said, so they'll use that a lot that God needed another angel. You have, no, you, have, you, you have zero scripture to support that, and I have a ton of scripture to support that. that is not true. God did not ever create a human on the order of an angel. If, if you leave this heaven, if you leave this earth and go to heaven, born again, saved, and become an angel in any dimension, you have been declassed. Because you are on a higher order and rank than an angel. God does not take you as a human being but also a spiritual being, born again, a new creation in Christ, and then you become an angel. Thank God for the angels. They excel in strength. Their strength is far beyond ours. Their ability is way beyond ours and those dimension. But they are not new creation beings. You are made on the highest class of order. The closest thing on this planet 
that you could say, point to something on this earth and tell me what's the closest thing that I could find to God. And that would be easy because I would point to you, the believer who's made in his image and likeness. You couldn't point to an angel. Now that's, you don't fix people's theology at funerals. You don't do it when they're grieving. But people have to be taught. And there's a wrong, there's a wrong time to do it. I, you don't stand up at funerals and correct someone who's, who's, who's grieving that thinks, you know, that, that may bring some temporary relief to think there was a higher purpose in this and then be able to say, God, I don't understand, but I, I know you're in control. Do you, you, you know, you know the, the popular thing, the books that people write that's real popular is, the, is this right here. They'll say, I mean, tell me if you ever heard this phrase or how many times you heard it or how many books you've written on. Why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? You ever heard that? It's a very popular phrase. And do I have all the answers to that? I absolutely do not. But I understand the principle behind it. And see, what we do a lot of times is we preach the principles. I don't really know, I can't really tell you how the law of gravity works, but I know it does, and I respect it. I'm no more going to get on this roof or one higher and jump off because I, I don't believe gravity works in Jemison. See, if gravity works in Chilton County, but it doesn't work in San Francisco, that's a phenomenon. If it works in the United States, but it doesn't work in the European nation, that's a phenomenon. But if, but if, you, but if it works all over the world, see, then that's a law. And, then, and there's principles. This book is actually principles of success and failure. Success if you follow them and, and become a doer, and then, and then you will have the lack of success or failure if you don't. It's not God doing it to you. It's not, the, it's not judgment. It's not judgment. So let me talk about that just, just for a moment. It's not quite 12, but it almost is. Now, so you say, well, God's allowing bad things to happen. Uh, this would be, uh, I'd like to soften the blow of this a little bit if I can, but I don't know how to do it. The reason why some things happen is not because God allowed it. It's because you did. I, and, I, and, and I've been the one guilty of that many times. It wasn't that God allowed it. It's because you allowed it. Because who did he give authority to? Who did he give his name to? See, God created the earth for mankind. He's, uh, it's in the end of my notes, which I, obviously I've got 18 more pages. I ain't going to get there today. But the Lord created the heaven and the earth. He, the scripture says in Psalms, the earth belongs to the Lord, but he's given it to the children, his children of men. In other words, we're stewards of this earth. He told, he told in Genesis, you should know that. When he created us in his image, in his likeness, he told them to have dominion. Have dominion, have dominion. How, how, how do you have dominion over something? The word dominion in the Greek is the word rada. It means to seize, take control, have authority over, have complete authority over. Several, several other definitions. But how, how do you seize, take control, um, steward, make sure that the will of the creator is done if you have no authority over anything, if God just picks and chooses everything, what would you use your faith for? I mean, you got to go down to the grocery store. You're going to be at the grocery store forever. You're like, well, I need milk. Well, which one? Well, you know, okay. Okay, what kind of bread? Lord, do I get whole wheat? No, no we're not doing bread right now. Oh, okay. It, it, it could be forever finding out what you, know, what you can eat. 
Well, it's, it's just nonsense is what it is. So just think about it this way. Somehow you, somehow you become privy to knowing that someone's going to rob a certain establishment. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't, I didn't think about you do it, but this, this will fit, okay? Okay. Okay, so watch here. So somehow you knew that and that you knew who was going to be robbed, who was going to rob it, and you knew the, the time, you knew the day and the hour in which they were going to do it. And you know about it. And because uh, someone who's going to be in that, you know, would try to pull you into it, but you didn't want to get into it, so you didn't get into it, but you already know all the information. So what you do is you go call the chief of police and say, now I'm just going to tell you my name is blah, 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 blah. But next, I, I got on good word that next Thursday at 2 o'clock in the morning, five individuals are going to rob such and such store at such and such time, and they're going to take this, this, and this. And I'm just telling you, that's what's going to happen next Thursday. So the police chief thanks you. He takes the information down. And when he goes there, he sends, you know, half a dozen people there. But... You know, they get to thinking they're there two hours before. They're thinking, oh, hey, probably anybody coming. There ain't nothing going on around here. So they just sit back and they end up snoozing. And they don't, you know, they, they just sit back and pay no attention. And while they're paying no attention and just, to, you know, playing cards over at 2 o'clock in the morning, people come in and rob the place. And the people lose whatever they lose out of it. Now, let me ask you this. Is it the police chief's fault? It's not a trick question. No. They called him. He believed him. He sent reinforcements. But somebody, did, somebody who was authorized didn't carry out the will. God is the police chief. He was here to make sure that she was secure and safe and protected and well taken care of. But we're co-laborers with him. He said, I'm the head of the church, but you're the body. Jesus said, the same work I do, you'll do. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be, he said, heaven will back you up, will bind in, in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, heaven will back you up. But notice the binding loosening starts on earth, not in heaven. What, what, what are you going to do with them scriptures? How, how are you going to use those scriptures with your cornflakes and your Captain Crunch? Well, you know, God, sometimes he does this and whatever he says, it's just going to be that way. It, it doesn't work that way. So, when people think in the place of sovereignty, they think of the place called judgment. And boy, that's a big subject. We certainly can't get to all that. But you just think about the things that's happened in the United States the last 20-something years. You think about the, the Hurricane Katrina, you know, going to New Orleans. The man, the damage it did. You think about the World Trade Centers where 3,000 people lost their lives when terrorists flew in. And there was men and women and they had daycares in there and children and babies was cremated. You think about the plane that crashed into the Pentagon and all the people who lost their life that day because terrorists was at the cockpit. Is that the will of God? Were there, was there a chance that there might have been a believer in the World Trade Center or in the Pentagon who knew Jesus as Lord and Savior and they died at the hands of a terrorist because God so, so beat it? Does that, does that make sense to you? See, sometimes people see the devil as 
this man with a red skin and a pointy tail and a pitchfork. And if you see devil him all that way describing him, you're going to miss him. And so after the World Trade Center, for those of you who's old enough to remember that, it didn't take but 24 hours for a whole cycle of news to turn around. And then you could turn on the TV and watch national ministries talk about how God was dealing with sin in, in our nation. Which was the reason for the loss of life. Do you remember any of those sermons? Did you ever tune in and say God judged America? You ever, you ever heard that theology before that God's judging America? And that's why there's been tsunamis and thousands of people killed in Katrina. Well, the, the, truth, the truth is that this earth is decaying. This, this, this earth is groaning. This earth knows the, the, the cost of sin. And it feels the weight of it itself. Uh, Romans 8, 20, and the ESV says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So since the fall of man, as far back as Noah, the planet's been unstable, hasn't it? We've had floods and earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and fires and mudslides and tsunamis since the beginning of the fall of man. Is that the will of God? Was it the will of God for man to fall? No. Of course not. So, do we have a choice? We, have, we all have choices. Every day, each one of us, in hundreds of thousands of little ways or big ways, we make choices every day. Those choices that we make can add peace and joy, prosperity to our life, or we can make choices that rob us, bring chaos and cursing, de even death. But did God make us free to have a will? Do we have a, do we have a will? Can we choose? Or are we, fr are we free will moral agents on, on this planet? Or did God make us as we're robotic? That we're just like a mechanical machine that he just maneuvers around the earth to do what he wants. Does he have complete control in that sense? Well, God is sovereign. He's the highest of any, you can't even, you can't even rank anyone near him. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. omniscient. He, know, he knows everything. This, this, this Bible uh, is so far beyond. It has time and it has codes and it, you know, it, it, it's exact in everything that it does. There is no one who's going to usurp God's authority. But to say that God's will is being done all the time and that we have nothing to do with it other than try to work along with God is wrong. Because he made you the sons of God. He made you the sons of Jesus was the son of man. He's put that authority in your hands. So if we want to see the will of God done on earth, then we have to stand up and be the Jesus on the earth. The seed planted in the ground. Remember they said, close them, watch here, close them. So they said if they had only known, looking back, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. They said, we'd never touched him if we'd known this. What does the word Christ mean? Anointed, right? 
anointed and his anointed ones. It says Christ is the seed. And we're the seed of Abraham, but we come through the lineage of Christ. Through David and all, all through covenants. So when Christ is planted, it says the seed of Christ is planted in the ground to death. But what happens when you plant a seed into the ground? If it's corn, you put it in there, that, that seed dies. But there's a germination process that takes place when it connects with the soil and it, and it lives. I've watched these different um, crepe myrtles. I used to get out here and cut these things every year. And I said, I'm not, I mean, we ain't cutting it for me. I've just let them go the last three or four years. That last one, that fourth one down there, it's died like twice. I mean, all the way dead. But you know how that works, don't you? Somewhere in the death process, it, it'll drop off a seed right, right by it. And that thing over there now, it's, it, it's taller than me. That fourth one down there has died twice, but, but, but had two, two youngins. <laughs> now, I got rid of mom and grandmama and, and got them out after the baby come up, on up. Isn't that amazing how that works? You, you got a tree that dies, but right before it dies, it drops a seed in the ground and here it comes and, 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 and there's this kin. Jesus is the anointed one put in the ground, raised from the dead. And it says, and if you, and Galatians says, and if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs to this promise. Which means... You, you are now the Christ in the earth. See, the, the, the problem with religion and the problem with Satan is he needed to get the Christ, the seed Christ off the earth because of the destruction of, that was taken to his kingdom. Jesus came to do what? To destroy the works of the devil. And he could do it because he had the power and the ability and the authority to do it. So if we can somehow circumvent that and we can get rid of the Christ, then we can get rid of the ability to usurp authority against Satan's kingdom. So let's kill him. That was the plan of God. Yes, kill him for the sins of all the people. And I've said many times before, Jesus didn't die for your sins. He died as your sin. See, it wasn't sins plural. It was in trouble. It was the sin nature that you had from Adam. So you're not, either you're going to live this life in the first Adam or the last Adam. You, you, you're in one or the other. You're, you're not somewhere in the middle. Amen. You're either in Adam, plucking from the tree. Mm. You're either going to be Adam, uh, Adam and Eve and be a fruit nibbler, like a woodchuck chucks the wood, <laughs> or you're going to be the last Adam who defeated Satan and all of his cohorts, Amen. who takes the authority in the, the, the dominion and you seize control because you know it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And greater is he that's in you, what? Than he that's in the world. Amen. Is God sovereign? Absolutely he's sovereign. Or you wouldn't have any ability on the inside of you. But if, you're, if we're just going to sit back and say, Lord, this is your show, do whatever you want to, you're going to have a raw deal. Because there's an enemy out to get you. Amen. And you have the weapons of, 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 of the warfare, but they're not carnal weapons. You're not shooting him with a bow and arrow. You can't take him down with a 270 Marlin. You, you, you can't throw a hang, hang grenade on the devil because it's not flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers. You can't deal with spirits that you can't see. You can't deal with them in a physical manner. But if you want to defeat any, uh, any demon, 
All you got to do is go to the Word of God and say, uh-oh, now I'm about to, you just deal with it. You just take the zipper and you go, and when he hears the zipper, he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> you say, I'm unzipping and I don't need my drawers. <laughs> he hears that Bible cover open up. He says, uh-uh. Uh, there's Jesus. There he is. There he is in the wilderness. And you're doing this and you're doing that. And Jesus says, the word of God says so-and-so. And the devil says, uh, uh. You know, he, he can't hardly handle it. Oh, oh, can't. He can't stand it. He's like the wicked witch, you know, on the, what, the Wizard of Oz? And she poured water on her. <laughs> you just begin to quote the word of God. And the devil came, what, was it three times? And, and the devil quoted what? From the almanac? What was he quoting? Scripture. The devil was quoting scripture. <laughs> the devil. Satan, Lucifer, was quoting scripture to Jesus, who is the Word. <laughs> Jesus is the scripture, and Satan is quoting the Word to the Word. And he's going to see if he could win that one. Why did he think he might could win? Because the Word was in a human body. The, worm, the, the, the human body was frail. It was weak. It was tired. It could feel forsaken. It had emotions. And if you live by those emotions, you know, and Satan said, you know, he says, you could just, you, you could just speak to those stones right there. Why? If, if you're the son of God, he didn't even say you was, but, but if you are, just, just, just speak to those stones, you know. They'll be made bread, you know. Moses, he just come up and got manna. He said, you're greater than him. Just, he said, matter of fact, just jump off the cliff. Then he starts quoting over in Psalms, where the angels have charge to keep you. Well, go try that. You don't have to go to the Grand Canyon. Go, go to Little River Canyon and jump off. See if that works for you. See which angel catches you. And then someone in the church say, you know, they, they jumped off the cliff and they said, stupid, right? Ignorant, right? You say, well, the Lord took them. It was their time. No, I was a fool. <laughs> the Lord didn't take them jumping off a cliff. You're an idiot. No. You stay with the word. Stay with the word. Stay with the word. Amen. Best way to get something back stone is not, is not curse and bless them. Bless those who hurt you. Bless those who persecute you. Amen. They'll get no blessing with it. It'll come back to you. If it ain't directly, it'll come back otherwise. Seven times over. Amen. I got to stop. Praise the Lord. Y'all may not have to come back again if I don't stop. Hallelujah. God is so good. He is so good. And he is sovereign. He is all powerful. And together with him, we can do all things. Amen. Amen. God bless you.